FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 72 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. Anyway, we're your host, Mr. and Mrs. Snicked. Snickety-snick. Jason and Denise Venable. We're going to bring you all things Wolverine for the second half of January second 2014. Half. So we got we got some comics for you. And we got some beer with eyeballs on it. And googly eyes. Yes. <laughs> googly eyes and a red nose. Yeah. It's a rain beer. It was a rain beer. It had antlers. It did. I killed it. <laughs> <laughs> Reindeer got run over by a bottle opener. <laughs> I leave that in so that you will be embarrassed by that for the rest of your life. That was horrible. <laughs> the problem is I'm not embarrassed by it. I actually kind of think it's funny. All right, so we got comics. <laughs> Do you see me turning bright red? And that's what we'll talk about. <laughs> comics. I think I match my shirt. Wolverine. All right, let's get to it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So first up, we have Origin Part Two, two. Number Two, Part Two. Part Two. They are in Canada, <laughs> so they speak French Canadian. Yes. Okay. Part Two. <laughs> Origin Part Two. The same too. Hey. All right. Let's get started. So, uh, Origin 2 is written by Kiergon Gillen. Whoa, what? <laughs> this is why I should I, I, not. I see a G in the last name. I do not see a G in the first name. I said Kieron. You said Kiergon. <laughs> you want me to play it back for you? No. <laughs> is that the kind of night we're going to have? <laughs> no. <laughs> Get your bottle opener and run over it right here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Kieran Gillen. Gillen is the writer. Yes, and a very respectable writer. I'm sorry if yeah. I hurt your feelings. Adam Colbert. Oh my goodness. <laughs> why are you adding consonants to all these words? This is why I don't do the first page. You just sound them out phonetically. <laughs> Hello, school in Louisiana, don't know phonics. Wow. That's an edict on the whole state that she's from. Adam Kubert. Hubert. No L. Is the artist. <laughs> Frank Martin. Well, I'm sorry. That's actually Frank Markagen. <laughs> now you're adding. <laughs> He's the color artist. And letters BC's Joe Caramanja. Did I say that right? Caramanja. It's like lasagna. <laughs> okay. I actually asked him that on Twitter. And that's, he, he said affirmative. Oh, okay. Good to know. And then our cover artists are Adam Kubert and Frank Martin. Yes. Afrin Kubert and Frank Martigen. Moving on. So on the cover, we have a close-up of Sabretooth's mug. Are we sure it's Sabretooth? Yes. Just checking. Yeah, he's been eating his steak really rare. 
Obviously. Really, really rare. Either that or he has really bad gingivitis. <laughs> that too. He needs some uh, Listerine. Yeah. Remember the old uh, Listerine song where he was swinging? What? The bottle of Listerine was swinging through the jungle. What's that? Oh, 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 oh. What the hell did you watch oh, as a kid? Oh, oh. It was on like primetime. That was a primetime commercial. I'm sorry. I wasn't allowed to watch primetime television. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're too busy learning fake consonants. I was too busy not learning them. Yeah. All right. So we have we have gingivitis saber tooth. One of his teeth already fell out. He's wearing it around his neck. <laughs> yeah. And a little tiny feather. A very, very tiny, tiny feather. Yes. He probably ate the bird. And yeah. That was one of the... Fe- like you went uh, in Looney Tunes and they eat a bird and the, and the little feather, feather comes falls out. out of their mouth. That's yeah. what this is. That's what um, he coughed up. Also, my both favorite and least favorite part of the cover are his uh, extreme nose shirt? hairs. <laughs> I thought it was the hole in the shirt that looked like his skin. It is a hole in his shirt that looks like his It is his skin. No, like for a minute there, I thought well, his skin thought was... thought the shirt his, was his skin. Yeah. Oh. It took me a while to figure it out. I was like, uh... He had a really bad sunburn. He had to peel it off. I guess so. Yeah. But yes, he does have some um, killer nose hairs. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, an adequate cover. I think it's interesting. Yeah, it didn't do a whole lot for me. I like the fact that they're hinting at Sabretooth without like flashing it in your face, even though I guess technically they are flashing it in your face. Oh, wait, it's life size. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a picture of that and put it up on Twitter. You should take a picture. Hang on, folks. Podcasting at its finest. You're 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 listening as we're about to be tweeting. All right. So what I was doing, if you've seen the <laughs> the the cover to Origin Two Part or Part Two Number Two, I was using this life size portrait of the bottom half of Sabretooth's face, and I made it with my face. And it's going up on Twitter fairly yep. soon. At Snickcast, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so <laughs> Origin 2, Book 2. I remember last time uh, Wolverine fought, he was running with a pack of wolves and he fought a giant polar bear. Um, You're stealing all of my thunder. Oh, that, was, that was just my quick two-sentence recap. All right, so what, what happens in this issue? So in Origins 2, we left off with Wolverine killing a ginormous polar bear. I already covered that. Hello, these are in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> don't for, for all this holy don't stray from the notes no i can't all my comedic genius is written in there no nazi <laughs> uh blah 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 ginormous polar bear that had just killed off his wolf pack family so we start this comic with a pack of sled dogs and one's kind of having a bad day he's barking putting up a fit This woman comes up to him, who we find out her name is Clara, and she basically soothes the savage beast. We find out that she's a little disfigured. Yes. Like half her face disfigured. Yep. And so basically, then the next scene, they're they're in a town, and we... They talk about her boyfriend. Well, I haven't gotten that far. (laughs) You find out that her name is Clara, and she's traveling with Hugo, and their business is in animals. And they're now in a town, and... So Hugo and Clara kind of banter back and forth about her boyfriend. She gets very upset over this term, boyfriend. 
And now you made me deviate from my notes and I'm off. Sorry. Uh, blah, blah, blah. But they're in town to gather information from the, quote, horse's mouth. Their businesses and animals, and they're here to hear stories of the polar bear and how it was ripped to shreds. Oh, and so basically they're meeting up with a man to listen to the story of how he found the polar bear. And he's got maps and directions on how to find that location so they can start hunting the thing that killed the polar bear. In walks in Dr. Essex in his very red Professor Snape robe. They kind of jaw jack back and forth about how he really shouldn't be prancing around in these shiny red robes. And Essex basically says, no gentleman will lay a hand on me because, see, I'm guarded by the finest bred men and <clears throat> educated. Basically, the guards are like, what? So they're obviously not that brilliant. And Essex asks the men, what do you have protecting you? And at that point, <clears throat> Creed walks in and he says, Clara, Hugo, we best move. And so... Essex basically says, oh, where are you going? And Creed basically tells him that he's a tracker and he's an everyday working tracker who thinks his fool of a boss should get moving when they've got light and nothing around and to stop sitting at the saloon. So Creed pushes them out and basically Essex tells the guy who was selling the information, you know, I don't want my business sold to any hunter. And the guy goes, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And Essex says, true. That's damn right. Yeah, the very next scene, we find this poor fool somehow under a river, a frozen <laughs> a river. A lake. Yeah, I want to know how the hell they got him in there. Or so deep, yeah. Well, I put under there their flaw. There's probably a hole somewhere we don't see, and he, he just floated, and they followed him. No, that there's a huge flaw in that. So he calls his troop marauders, which is a very much an Easter egg. Oh, is it? Later, Mr. Sinister puts together a team called the Marauders. And actually, Sabretooth is part of the first team of Marauders. Interesting. So he tells his Marauder... 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 I can't even say that word. Anyway, he tells his troops, let's hunt. I like how the gas mask has his Mr. Sinister symbol on it. They throw some gas cans out into the forest, expecting whatever's out there to be flushed out. And unfortunately, what happens is... Guess who comes out of the forest to slash the men to bits? Yeah, exactly halfway through the comic, we get our first Wolverine panel. Now, you know, I don't think we get a snicked at all. Uh, maybe not. I know he tears up these troops. Yeah, he tears them to shreds. His little uh, 5,000 BC outfit he's wearing. <laughs> yes, he's got a uh, furry little loincloth and furry little boots, and he's still... He still has his patriot hair, his patriot ponytail. So somewhere along the way, he's he still has a hair tie. boyish Heath Ledger sideburns. Yes. Then we flash over to the other hunting troop, and Creed is telling them, this way, this way, we got ourselves a clever critter. The cave is up ahead and the entrance is hidden. He's in it. He's gone to ground. And the Hugo says, are you sure? Creed says, Hugo, you treat Clara and me pretty well, considering. But you ever question me about what I do again, I'll open you from crotch to neck. Awesome. I love that Classic line. Classic Sabertooth line. Yeah. So basically, they, they say, get ready and go beat the undergrowth and that'll flush <laughs> You know what that means. Yeah. And so before you know it, 
Wolverine comes popping out, which I heard that on making go blind. Beating your undergrowth. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, I was very disappointed. <laughs> because that's why Wolverine's so hairy. <laughs> this podcast going downhill fast. <laughs> Went blue. I was personally upset. I thought this his first little rawr out of the underbrush. That would have been a really good snick. Yeah. So Wolverine starts attacking the guy who was probably beating the underbrush. Actually, it would have been really cool to have shown the brush in a snicked. Oh. Like, like over the guy's shoulder, kind of like looking at the pile, like he's creeping up on it, like he's gonna try to do something. Yeah. And you hear a snick, and then the next panel is Wolverine jumping out. That would be awesome. So Creed kind of steps back a little bit. We get some really cool panels where it looks like Wolverine stares at Creed, Creed stares at Wolverine. Wolverine just starts slashing this guy to bit. There's a guy hiding over Hugo's shoulder that just says hell, like. This is what this guy does. Then Clara comes running in. Stop. Just stop. And she's all calm. And Wolverine's just still slashing away at the guy. And she's like, easy. Don't need to do this. You don't want to kill anyone, do you? There you go. I have a feeling she's... the dog whisperer. Yeah. I have a feeling she's kind of got a mutant power. Maybe. Yeah. I've got some backup later that tells me that I'm right. So she tells Wolverine it's going to be all right. And Wolverine kind of gives a caveman. <laughs> <laughs> he's not he's not so good with words yeah. in this story so far. Well, he did live with wolves. Yeah. So we see a lasso go around his arm. And then we hear Creed say, nice work on calming this sucker, Clara. And Wolverine goes flying. Clara says, Creed, no. I and love how Creed punches him before he even lands. Yes. I love that, too. And he goes, that's for making eyes at Clara Runt. Runt. Which isn't that classic Sabretooth. That's what he calls Wolverine. So it's cool. That's kind of the first thing he ever calls him. Yeah. And then Creed kind of pulls his foot back and says, and this is for, and Clara says, Creed, stop. And this is where I think. She has fangs. Yes. She goes, you're even worse than him. And we see her fangs. And that was sort of my clue that she may not be disfigured. From an animal attack or anything like that. She's a mutant. Oh, I, I, we can talk about this when we get to the end, I guess. Okay. So then Sabretooth says, I'm nothing like him. You take it back or all. And she was like, do what, Creed? I love this chick. She's <laughs> very sassy. And she goes, you going, what are you going to do to me? And I can't tell what's in front of her face. That's her glove. She's covering up the side of her face. Oh. Mm, that's a big hint. I think so. They're leading us somewhere. Now, yeah. if you have a different theory, there may be we'll credence just, to it, but they're definitely inferring something to people that know the history. Uh, so then Hugo steps in. He says, Romeo and Juliet, please. So Claire is basically telling people he's not an animal. Hugo's like, maybe he's an animal man. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's the missing link, you know, claws in his forearm, some kind of wolvish version of a orangutan. orangutan. And Claire's like, no, he's a man. And he's like, he's a hairy man. <laughs> well, he goes, he goes, are you a, are you a man in hiding my hairy friend? A, a speak up, which I just think of a foghorn leghorn. I say, I say, speak up, I say. <laughs> <laughs> you say anything in any language. Yeah, he's like, just, just babble. Make make words. They don't have to be real words. Wolverine just stares at him. And then uh, Hugo goes, I see it now. Welcome to Hugo's, the greatest. And then it switches over and Hugo is in a 
Circus. He's a ringmaster. Yeah. Yeah. What's this word here? Fan. Phantasma. I have. Phantasmagorical. I don't know if that's a real word or not. Uh, Yeah. But this is the part that I love it. It says, come all good Christian souls to see the original pagan. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The sinner, a sinner's blood, a sinner's hands, Cain's own line discovered and brought to our modern society. I love that. It sounds so much like an old time swindler, right? It does. This is exactly the kind of thing you would see back then or that you see in literature from back then. So there's there's some sort of red tarp covering some sort of square object. And so after he goes through his speech, the little red uh, sashes come off this thing and we see Wolverine in a cage and it says the clawed man of the woods, a marvel of the modern age to be continued. So what'd you think? I liked it. Yeah. So I'm with you. I think maybe either this girl is just like the dog whisperer or she does have a mutant power. I think the teeth indicate that she does. I'm pretty sure because she's Sabretooth's partner though she resists being called his girlfriend or does she resist it because she feels like maybe they were boyfriend and girlfriend and she cut her face off yeah and then she was like sorry dude we're through right which of course that plays i like that i mean i hate it because domestic violence is horrible but that's kind of sabertooth has always treated women very very poorly and even like in Japan's Most Wanted, where he's cutting open the hookers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or his Japanese slave girls or whatever they were. And that's very indicative. And he's always trying, if Wolverine ever falls for anybody, Sabretooth has made his mission to kill them. He's just always been very violent towards women, which is horrible, but it fits his character. It makes him, right. it makes him nasty. I mean, I like that Sabretooth is so nasty. You know, I've said this a hundred times before, but he is the antithesis of Wolverine. Right. Is everything Wolverine would be if Wolverine didn't have the nobility, the morals, whatever. And he's just the animal side of Wolverine completely. And so I like that he's super nasty and super mean because it sets up like the polar opposite. Right. And it just makes him a good bad guy, a good villain. So I like the connection of this where we're assuming or led to assume that this girl has been victimized by safety. The only part that doesn't really fit that is she doesn't act like a victim. No. Uh, she's very strong. I can see where maybe something happened and she tried to split something up. Like she was trying to oh, maybe. be noble. He lashed out and she kind of got caught in the middle. And that's maybe. where she's like, hey, dude, we're through. Like, you're not my boyfriend. We're not together anymore. Right. They're still partners. Maybe there's still some connection. Right. Or maybe they were together and he did that either before her mutant power manifested that right. sort of power or before she thought she needed to use it on him. Like, he may have yeah. sprung it on her. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, either I'm way, hoping we get some backstory to that. I like her character I do right too. now. Yeah, I like her a lot. Because A, she's a woman. B, she's a strong woman. Yeah, like, she, she doesn't. She doesn't take any shit off anybody. No, but what I love about her is she's still so, there's like a zen sort of right. feeling towards yeah, her. Yeah, she's not violent. No, and she doesn't have to like, she only speaks when she feels like it's necessary. Not saying that women shouldn't say anything, but like, she just kind of holds her tongue. And then when it's time, she lets you know that you better shut up. But yeah, yeah, but she's a very interesting character. Yeah, yeah, I really like her now. Part of me kind of feels like because of her, the situation we're kind of lead being led towards, and because of the relationship between Wolverine and Sabretooth, 
this is obviously just, they don't know each other right now. So right. what's going to make, I guess my first question to myself was, what is going to make Sabretooth hate Wolverine? And all I could think of is, Clara is going to fall for Wolverine. Maybe. Is there some history that I don't know of? Uh, no. As far okay. as I'm aware, this is a completely new character. Okay. Now, they may try to link her to somebody else, like a retcon, or I think it'd be cool. And I, don't, I have no idea where the story is going to go as far as the characters. I mean, I know generally where the story will end up. Right. But I don't know as far as these individual characters where it's going to go. If she doesn't die, I think she'd be a cool character to introduce into current continuity. Yeah. I mean, depending on how she plays out. Right. Obviously. I mean, I would like to see more of her. Yeah. And more, her story more fleshed out either way. Even, even maybe a flashback of like how she met Sabretooth, what happened, blah, blah, blah. And see, the thing is, if it doesn't necessarily have to be in this miniseries. No. She can, if she survives. Now, if she doesn't survive, then I want a little, a little more answers in these pages. Right. In origin. If she does survive and, and she could maybe be brought into modern times, I wouldn't mind there being some questions on her still left when the series is over. I can see that. But it just depends on how they play it. That was interesting. Well, all right. So Mr. Sin- or I'm sorry. He's not Mr. Sinister yet. Uh, Dr. Essex in his Professor fancy Snape. pants robe and his little cane uh, walking around like a dandy. I like his little zombie guards. Yeah, well, and what's funny is is he, he makes fun of their level of education, and they're like, what? I do think it's interesting that Sabretooth walks in all, sw- or Creed walks in all swatched over. Well, it's almost like he doesn't, like, not saying that Perf- Dr. Essex has a smell, but it's almost like, I'm trying to lay low. I'm just, he kind of goes and says, I'm a simple tracker. Okay, but that's interesting, though, actually, that you bring that up. His Creed is very animalistic. Right. Okay. And when animals shrunk or lower their posture, it's out of either intimidation or deference. Right. I, like, I didn't even think about that until you just said that. But this is almost like a when Max, when you tell Max to go to his kennel and he, he slunches over and puts his tail between his legs and kind of like saunters over there. Yeah. There's no pride. There's no, there's not the normal like prancing Max we get the other 90% of the time. Right. Because he's yeah. like, damn. I gotta go in the kennel. And he's still kind of mouthy, but yeah. See, I just originally thought he was just trying to downplay his stature. You know, because he's a big dude. He sticks out. Right. You know, and I thought this is just his way of kind of trying to blend in. But maybe there's something else to it psychologically. Maybe he senses something from Essex that maybe he doesn't even know what it is. Right. And he just senses something wrong. He's just being careful. I don't know. That's, that's well, very interesting. I do find it interesting that he, and it could just be they're trying to set up like his backstory, but I did feel like he was overly mouthy. I'm just a simple tracker. I'm just here to get these people. Oh, he's a mouthy people. dude though. I mean, that, well, I'm, yeah, that made but me happy. He, instead of just being like, I'm the tracker these guys hired, we got to go. He's like, I'm just a simple tracker. I don't know. It, there's something about his um, overly mouthiness in that panel that makes me feel like he's being he's, passive aggressive. He or just aggressive senses something and he wants to get the hell out of there. Like he's coming to get them and leave because they need to go now. Right. I will say, and I don't know, like all the other different goatees and beards I kind of recognize as being at this time period. I hate Sabretooth's goatee or Creed's goatee. And unless oh, someone kinda, can kind of point to some historical reference for that, I really... It kind of reminds me of the devil. A little bit, but it just it looks stupid. I think they're just trying to make him look different. I like the close-up of Essex's, Essex's, 
Morgan the possessive of Essex. Essex is eyes in the gas mask. Looks pretty cool. I got Wolverine just slices his way through the Marauders. The line. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, so what do you think? What do you think of the art? Oh, I thought the art was phenomenal. Yeah, I love I love Adam Kubert. I thought the In colors fact, matched it really well by Frank Martin. That panel that has Clara, her big panel right towards yeah. the beginning, I just that was awesome. The yeah. way her lips kind of are glossy, and so she has that femininity in her hair, and the line work is just downright flipping amazing. Yeah, no, is. He's a fantastic artist. I like him a lot. I, I really am digging the color work in this series. Well, and you can tell they took their time on it. Yeah. I don't feel like anything in this was rushed. No. Doesn't look like it. Okay, so what do you think? I mean, in theory, the story we're telling here, this is the very first time Logan and Creed meet. Do you think it's a um, deserving first encounter? I think it's a very interesting first encounter. Yeah, at first I thought it was a little underwhelming, but the more we talk about it, the more I'm okay with it. Well, and it's funny because if you think about when you've met people before, you know... Right, it's not going to be dramatic. No, but then you think back to it and you're like, that was a perfect way that I could have met that person. And I I think that's exactly what this is. I do think it's cool that immediately Creed is abusive to him. Yes. Even like undeservedly so. Though I guess you could say that he just killed one of your guys and he deserves what he gets. Right. But But then I guess that's why I feel like Clara and Wolverine are going to have a moment because Sabretooth is so, that's for making eyes at her, you know, like. Yeah. Which is very Creed. They nailed Creed in this issue, I thought. Yeah. Well, I just, I could be wrong. I just feel like that's where it's being set up too. Yeah, and know. setting up the relationship between the two, especially knowing that Creed has killed people that Wolverine has loved. Right. Maybe this gives it a reason. Yeah. Now, do you think, okay, well, let me ask you this, and maybe we should say this question for when it actually happens, but do you think if they give a, a type and a eye for eye reason for Sabretooth doing that, does that make it less nasty in the future or in, in current time? I mean, to me, if you if you say, well, Wolverine stole my girl and either she died or I I killed her out of jealousy or whatever, and so now I'm going to try to kill all Wolverine's girlfriends for the rest of his life, is that more or less like Sabretooth than just randomly killing girlfriends because he hate, just hates Logan? Like, does, it, does it give him too much of a reason to do that exact act? I think, okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb and say, if something happens, like let's say Claire and Wolverine make googly eyes at each other. Right, and googly eye. <laughs> and Sabretooth gets jealous, and he accidentally kills Claire in a fit of rage. I don't think that's reason enough for Sabretooth to say, I'm going to kill all of Wolverine's girlfriends because he stole mine. Now. Well, I think it's reason enough in his mind. No, but- no, 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 no. I think, and what would be better is if Wolverine and Clara make googly eyes, Creed gets jealous, and him and Wolverine start fighting, and Clara gets in the middle, and somehow Wolverine's claws kill her. Right, definitely adds to the self-loathing and guilt that Wolverine's famous for. Right, and it would help fuel the fire for you killed the person I loved and cared about. I'm going to kill every person you love and care about. Yeah, I think I, don't, I think to me that gives Sabretooth's actions too much logic and almost it doesn't justify the extreme violence or hatred he carries out, but it, it makes it a little less worse, I guess. See, I think it totally explains 
the hatred and violence and why he feels justified in doing what he does. Not that it's right. I just think in his mind, he's justified in doing this because Wolverine took away the one person he loved, even though, let's say, the fight ensues because he's the one that starts it. And she is just trying to split them apart. Let's see what happens. We're taking bets. Well, I, I don't, I think you're probably right on what's going to happen. I'm just wondering if that's the best thing to happen. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm the kind of guy, I don't want everything to be so clean, I guess. Like, everything has a direct reason for everything. Like, I just, sometimes I just want people to be nasty because they're nasty. Oh, uh, I, I guess. Think, I think that's more interesting sometimes. I guess that's my marketing part of me. This is what people want. This is what makes sense. Right. A clean, nice, logical right. reason. Put it in everything. a pretty bow. <laughs> I think sometimes, especially when you're going back and retconning like we are, like retelling an old story, I think the temptation is to try to give a reason for everything that ever happens. Right. Instead just, of just... I don't like that. Now, if the story's good, I'll forgive it. But the, the idea of let's explain why everything is the way it is, I think robs from the story. Well, and I will say, you know, some of our famous serial killers, they had no real reason for doing what they did. Yes, if you give them a reason, they're less compelling. That is why I hate Bates Motel. Why? Because it's it, it makes Psycho less interesting. Oh, see, I love it because if no, anything, because it, it shows. Gives, it shows why he's psychotic and then, he's, no. then his psychosis is not cool anymore. No, it doesn't show. In fact, in, if yes, anything, it does, no, all this it strange doesn't. shit happened to him and he had to deal with all this and his mom was raped in front of him and all this crap. And that's why he's crazy and why he breaks eventually. To me, if you have no idea why, he's scarier. See, I... I think it goes to show how his overbearing mother might have pushed him over the edge. But it probably will, yeah. But at the same no, time I'm not gonna find out. I'm not but, watching that anymore. But okay. But at the same time, seriously, he killed his own dad and just never remembered it. Like he was so yeah, he was psychotic that. from the beginning. He exactly. was having blackouts. Right. But I don't know. I just to me the more you learn about I think it's just showing how Norman temptation Bates past, the less interesting he is. And I just think they're showing how temptation is pulling out this this evil part of him. This part we can't explain. Right. But they but they are explaining it. Well and I say boo on explanation. <laughs> no, I, I mean I agree. That's that's two different preferences. There is the desire to understand everything from a psychological standpoint and want to know why things work and it's funny because there are times i want that but then there are times i just want there to be mystery because then you can fill in your own blanks well but i think as human beings we need to know why people do the things that they do because in a way it makes them more human even if it's right. something as simple yes. as like they were beaten as a child no it is totally an attempt to humanize even some of the most inhumane of people right that's why some of these quote-unquote true stories about serial killer movies you see you see right. like what what did it to them and it doesn't excuse their actions but it kind of explains them and I, right anyway i guess we've we've gone down that rabbit hole far enough but <laughs> what do you what do you think of origin book or Part two, book two. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. When are you going to grade it? Um, I think I'm going to give it six out of six. Okay. I'm going to give it five out of six claws. Whoa. Um, yeah. I thought it was really good. I'm still kind of definitely waiting to see where everything plays out. But I thought 
I thought the first meeting between Wolverine and Sabretooth was pretty good, um, at least true to their characters. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in some of the, the moving pieces in the story, so we'll see what happens. Okay, next up we have Wolverine and the X-Men number 40. 40. Written by Jason Aaron. Art by Pepe Larraz. Colors by Matt Mia. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Nick Bradshaw and Laura Martin. This cover is uh, pretty detailed. Oh my goodness, is it detailed? A lot going on, but it's, it's kind of fun. Um, I like the shield-like robots, guys. They look cool. I like how Gladiator and the Bamps are in these like, tombs. If you look, the guy corralling brew actually looks like a shield dog catcher he's got like padding on and stuff like that to not get bit um, okay but wait quentin choir's headbutting his uh escort and laughing about it but can i just say this cover had absolutely nothing to do with the inside it's the threat of the inside no yeah i didn't like this cover yeah i like it i think it's fun I think there's entirely too much detail, and it portrays nothing on the inside. Yeah, I don't think covers have to match the inside. That's pointless. That's like buying a book that has a knife in it, and it talks about murder mystery, and then it has a knife in it. Well, no, like like the picture. Can you pull out a knife? No, like a picture of a knife on the front cover, and then you open it up, and like the guy strangles everybody with a piece of rope. Mm -hmm. That's pointless. Not quite the same thing. Yes, it's completely the same thing. It's no. the threat of what lays inside. No, I mean, this, this whole story has been these two kids undercover for S.H.I.E.L.D. trying to shut down the school. And this cover leads us to believe that they succeed. We have to open up the book and see if they, that's true or not. I hate this cover. All right, that's fine. I like it. All right, so <laughs> where we catch up is the kids have discovered... Or the students have discovered the kids are fake. Their new students are really shield moles that have been taking mutant growth hormone, MGH. And they corner each other. Um, we get some smartassery out of Quentin Choir saying he knew they must have been spies. That's why they didn't love him. Um, I love Bro's comment. How dare you defile the sanctity of homework? I love how you called him bro. Hey, bro. Bro, whatever. All right. So, of course, the brother is hesitant, but the sister is super hardcore. And the students are like, well, we don't want to stop you. We want to help. We want to show you all of the secrets of the school. Just pick up that bamp. And there's a little bamp hiding under the desk. And I like how it looks like a little kid chasing a dog. Like trying yes. to grab a dog's tail. And so the brother grabs the bamf by the leg and they go gallivanting through all the crazy parts of the school. Uh, like the danger room bathroom. Don't make the bathroom angry. Mm-hmm. All right. So we go. Meanwhile, in another bathroom, hundreds of miles away, we see a battered Wolverine climb out of a sentinel fist. Now, I remember Mystique disguised as Dazzler in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., or not in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., but working for S.H.I.E.L.D., leaked info about where the S.H.I.E.L.D. Sentinels were stored, oops, to both Wolverine and Cyclops. Hmm. So they showed up and they had to fight the Sentinels. 
And they're both uh, beat to crap. And Wolverine goes and helps Cyclops up. In an interesting panel, they walk off kind of leaning on each other. And I really like the banner. And there's a lot of good banter in this issue between the two of them. All right, I'll read Wolverine, you read Cyclops. Okay. We really look like hell. You always look like hell. Uh, I expected your Cyclops voice to be a little more whiny. You always look like hell. (laughs) (laughs) Says the man who wears glasses indoors. I love that. Then they kick their way into a supply closet. Because they're bleeding. Yeah, yeah, they're all beat up. They're kind of coming to the conclusion that the Sentinels were supposed to take them out. And uh, Cyclops says, and if that didn't work, they were hoping we'd kill each other. (laughs) I come over and he says, I was going to say that I'd kill you. You're the one everyone wants dead, remember? (laughs) And we get a nice snicked. Well, that's because Cyclops says, I'm too tired. Or I'm I'm too tired to kill anybody, even you. Yeah. Wolverine says, you don't say. Yeah, we get a snicked and Cyclops is leaning against the wall, clutching his ribs. And he's getting ready to shoot an optic blast. But then Wolverine cuts through the wall. <laughs> and Cyclops says, that's right, Wolverine says, jackpot. Would you find medical supplies? In a manner of speaking. It is seriously a warehouse full of beer. Yep. It's S.H.I.E.L.D. beer. Why does S.H.I.E.L.D. need such a stockpile of beer? Because the job's hard, man. So is that like their beer 30? Every yeah. day at 4.30 before you get off? Right. All right, so we see the, the two kids are still gallivanting around the campus. A uh, squid-faced girl steps on a flower and Kokroa tries to eat them. Uh, they do some more stuff. There is a, I do like the, the art. Like the basement full of bamps. And you see all their eyes. Yeah. And the shadow. It's pretty cool. They almost look like bats. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Reminiscent. They go to the the kitchen where Dupe is asleep. I hate Dupe. He's getting his own book for who the hell knows only why. Because he's a Slimer ripoff. God, the book's going to suck. <laughs> I hope, You know what they're going to do? Like. Issue five or six, when no one's really buying it, they're going to throw Wolverine in there and try to boost the sales. They're going to have to buy one and do the podcast. And I'm... No, that's when you do what you did one other time, which is, <laughs> I refuse to buy this, so if anyone wants to review it, and I'll yeah. gladly let you do it. Yeah, anyway, dupe. What do I say about that? Isn't that what you do every morning? <laughs> dupe? Yeah. A poop a dupe. Dupe a poop. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so then the the kids corner the rest of the students playing poker, it looks like. Uh, Shark Girl's eating a chair. Kind of getting annoyed with Shark Girl. She's a little weird. All right, so then we get this, uh, I guess, like a little soliloquy from the students. They say, you're right about the school. It is dangerous. It's the weirdest, craziest, most dangerous place any of us have ever been. Yet here we are, still showing up for class every single day, still begging for more homework. You might even say we've learned to like it here just a little bit. If you want to close it down, you're going to have to go through us to do it. And if you thought the school was the only thing around here that was dangerous, well, then you must not have met the students. And I was like, dun, dun, dun. That was one of those kind of dumb things where everybody said a line. Like Everything I said there was said by like eight different people. No, my favorite is, then you must not have met the students. Nobody destroys this place but me. That part was actually kind of funny. Quentin Choir said that. Yeah. Um, and King Gladiator uh, finally let the punching begin. 
I did like what, <laughs> what Bruce, Bruce says. says. Yeah, what does Bruce say? In the immortal words of Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> and then Adi ruins the panel by saying, JGS forever. Uh, yeah. Reminded me of Saved by the Bell. <laughs> All right, so then there's some more fighting. The sister's still getting on to the brother because he's not fighting hard enough. He says, you're right, and he starts shooting all his little weapons. Then we go back, and Scott, or Cyclops and Wolverine are drunk. Oh, and of course, remember now, Wolverine can get drunk. Before, it took a whole, whole lot because his healing factor slowed down his BAC, but now he can actually get drunk. Well, okay. So I did like the fact that they got drunk. I don't like the pink bubbles to show that they got drunk. It's an interesting choice. I'll leave it at that. It looks like they're in fruity bubble land. Yeah, it's kind of silly. But I don't I don't dislike it. I don't mind it too bad. All right, so you be Cyclops again. Another dramatic reading on the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. We haven't done this in a long time. What? Drank beer and almost bled to death? I've done that every week for as long as I can remember because I'm Wolverine and I'm a badass. That wasn't in the comic. Oh, sorry. (laughs) You have, maybe. We haven't. Yeah, well, there's a good reason for that, ain't there? Glare. Why do you hate me? You got to glare back. Oh, glare. Insert glare. glare back. I glare. Glare. Insert glare. Glare back. I'm glaring back. (laughs) Thank you. Why do you hate me so much? We ain't got enough beer or blood left for that conversation, Swim. And besides, I think you already know how it goes. Must just drink in peace. After all we've been through lately, just drinking in peace wouldn't be such a bad thing. I miss him too, you know. Every day. I'm sure you do. Logan, I didn't kill him. Dark Phoenix killed Charles Xavier. That wasn't me. I was there. Sure looked like you. I wasn't in my right mind. <laughs> Very interesting cyclops we have here. You ain't been in your right mind for a long damn time now, Scott. A lot of people have been trying to tell you that. When Jean went all dark phoenix, she blew up an entire planet. Yet we still stood by... Wait, wait. See oh. episode 71. Oh. The new flashback episode of the podcast of Ghost Nick is the Dark Phoenix Saga. All right, go ahead. Nice interjection there. Yes, a commercial. Yeah, we all stood besides her, besides her, beside her, and fought to save her. But me, you want to cast me off and dismiss me as a villain. I won't do it. I won't be the Magneto to your Professor X. I reject that an- analogy. You killed one and teamed up with the other. I'd say we're past analogy at this point. As for Jean, Jean knew who she was and what she'd done. I ain't so sure you do. You put your people on the path to war. You can't be surprised when you wake up one morning to find your sheets soaked in blood because you started your period. <laughs> Jeez. And then a beer bottle crashes against the wall. I'm not who you think I am, Logan! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. I'm not the mutant terrorist that S.H.I.E.L.D. so wants me to be. I still want what Xavier wanted, but damn it. <laughs> Times aren't as simple as they used to seem. I have made mistakes and I have and have people died because of them. And yes, I accept responsibility for that. But I won't stop fighting for what I believe in. If anything, I'm 
I'll only fight the harder. I would have thought you, of all people, would understand that. Eyes glazed over. Oh, wake back up. What? Um, <laughs> you're right. Nobody's hands are bloodier than mine. Hell, there was a time that might have been me up there killing Chuck instead of you. But see, I've known for a long time now what kind of life it is I'm living. The kind that only ends badly. Well, you know, riding off into the sunset is the end of my trail. And that's all right. Because all I care about till then is making sure I leave something behind worth leaving. And seeing that when I go down, I go down alone. Let me cut this beer bottle with my middle claw to show how badass I am. You got that? See, look. All right. The way you're headed, Scott, when you go down, you're liable to take us all down with you, along with you. You want to know why I hate you? It's simple. Because you don't hate yourself nearly enough. Trust me, as someone who's damn near an expert on the subject. Let me get this beer real fast. I need a new one. Here, you want one? All right, here you go. A little self-loathing would do you some good. I'm not like you, Logan. Never wanted to be. Hell, these days you're too damn much like me. That's the problem. Too damn headstrong, too damn angry, too damn ooh, scary for your own good. <laughs> you ain't the man I used to follow, and we need that man again, Scott. We need him bad. Let me be the one Jean was scared of. You be the one she fell in love with. That's all I'm asking. To now Jean. here, grab this brewski. Let's have a toast. To Jean. I'm going to smile real big. Here's to Jean. Besides our really bad interpretation, it really is a good banter between them. I thought the Wolverine was spot on. <laughs> the Cyclops could, uh, could use some work. Are, are you trying to... Uh, poke holes at my acting ability to be Cyclops? No, it was great. You nailed it. Uh-huh. Sure. For a minute there, I, I thought you were going to shoot me with your optic blast. No, you're just going to sleep on the sofa tonight. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I like on the next page, we find out that the brother, uh, what was his name? Try Joey? Yeah. Yeah. He knocked out, he shot at Squid Girl and knocked her out. He had set his laser pin to stun. And you like eye boys leaning over her, and on the back of his head, he looks like Cousin It with three eyes. Yes. Because he's got eyes going through the back of his hair. I thought that was a girl at first. Do you know how long it took me to figure out who that was? I was like, who's the girl with the weird barrettes? <laughs> nope, those are eyeballs. All right, so then it turns out the kid's like, man, I'm, I made a mess. I'm sorry. Um, when they're starting to turn back, the, kid, the students are worried about what, what are they going to say to S.H.I.E.L.D.? And Try Joey volunteers, he says, well, that depends on what we remember. Try Joey isn't Try Joey anymore. He's by Joey now. Oh, yeah, he's shrinking. <laughs> and he starts crying. And uh, Quentin Quire's like, do you know what you're asking? Are you sure you want to do this? And he goes, just promise me I'll forget it all, especially the homework. I just can't tell if that's like, uh, because I'll miss it so much, I don't want to remember it, or I really want to forget that part because it sucked. <laughs> No, I think he enjoyed he it. He was so he was much. kind of excited, yeah. Yeah, I think it was just I enjoy being here and I want to be here, so just right. erase all my memories because if I have to live another day knowing that I can't be a part of this, it it's gonna kill me. Yep. So then it turns out um, they turn into a couple of hipster kids. Of course. Um, and the girl is complaining that it was a waste of time. The school was boring. It's crazy, but it's a joke. 
No one takes anything seriously. No one knows what they're doing. Nobody cares. Let's just get out of here. So they get in their cab and drive off, and they're passed by a, a person on a motorcycle. And we see in one of my favorite panels of the young year so far, Wolverine all bandaged up, driving through the leaves on the street on his motorcycle, going back to the school. I do like that panel. I like that panel a lot. I uh, just tweeted it, if anybody wants to go back through the tweets and look. All right, so I again enjoyed the art by Pepe Larraz. It was nice. That was really good. All right, so what do you think of, of the book? I feel like I kind of had to split it into two different personalities. Yeah, I did too, probably for different reasons. But I felt like I had to split the whole Wolverine Cyclops into one chunk and then the kid chunk. Yeah, so the Wolverine Cyclops stuff was awesome. It was. Uh, I, I don't remember who, so I apologize if you're listening. I forgot who said this. Someone on Twitter said that that was the best version of this conversation in a long time. And I, I tend to agree. I thought it was a really good kind of summary of how they feel about each other. And I'm not saying they're going to ready to be best friends. No. I feel like the ice melted a little bit. Remember at the end of Battle of the Atom when we talked about things I'd like to see come out of that? Right. I, this is kind of one of the things I said. That I was hoping that the schism maybe not necessarily in, but it was soften a little bit. And I feel like we're starting to see some cracks in the wall. Well, I think, yeah. I, I think they both realized that they kind of threw everything out on the table with each other. And so... Each one knows where the other stands or how the other feels at the moment. Right. And so it they're kind of like, okay, I get it. Like, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But we're not besties. We're not no. about to share. A, we're not about to share a heart-shaped blocket. <laughs> right. But I do think Wolverine's grin on his face when he's driving back. He looks <laughs> at peace about the situation. Yes. And so. And, you know, I think. And, They've always been super competitive with each other, so there's always been a tension in there, even when they were friends. It was a tense friendship. Right. I think even in spite of all that, I think Wolverine was being honest, and he misses who Scott was. And the, right. that mutants need Scott to step up. And when he volunteers, he says, let me be the one. And he said Gene, but I think he kind of meant everybody. Let me be the one that everybody's scared of. I'm I'm the scary boogeyman mutant that right. is a little unhinged and a little crazy and, and I'm violent. I got you know, sometimes kill people. You need to be like the poster X Man. Right. Like that's your that's what you used to be. That's what we need you to be again. Yeah, I think that's they're on a path of reconciliation and bringing Scott kind of back into the fold. Right. And I just I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm I, unlike you, I like them both, but I am definitely pro-Wolverine. I, I think in a Wolverine book, we're going to get a little more of his perspective. I do think he nailed, I know he kind of pushed buttons, but I think he also kind of nailed what's going on with Cyclops. Yes, so I would th- totally I thought that was really that. cool. Okay, so the other half of the book. Ugh. The stuff with the kids. All right, so originally I kind of liked the idea of shield planting students. I, I thought that was a yeah, good story thread. It um, was. I didn't really like the way it resolved. And 
No. And I knew when he started attacking who he was attacking. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. I It, it got past me. I was like, he's after his sister. Right. So, yeah, I didn't really appreciate that. And not only that, we were getting ready for this. I kept saying, I'm not going to get on a soapbox. I'm not going to get on a soapbox. Well, Here, guess let me get one for you. I'm getting on a soapbox. And I hope this doesn't sound too critical or hypocritical because I'm not, I'm not trying to be. And I'm going to try, not real sure how I want to articulate this, but I'm going to do the best I can. The way the school was portrayed as issue, it's kind of been fun, kind of annoying. It's kind of been back and forth between fun and annoying in this series. Right. Right. With all the danger room stuff all over the place. And I think I've, I've said I'm kind of getting tired of that. Besides my taste on it, or my preference on the kind of storytelling, for, for reasons I'm not entirely sure how to explain... It left a really, really bad taste in my mouth this time. I just felt like it was out of place. Well, I felt like it was out of place, but I felt like... <sighs> Alright, so there's always been training of students in the X-Men. Always. There's always been a danger room. There's always been a chance. I mean, it's called the danger room. There's always been a chance someone could get hurt. When the students start talking about like, how this is the most dangerous place they've ever been... And it really does, in the last few issues, just seem like there's no safe place anywhere. And I just feel like in today's day and age, with all the the violence we have in schools and all that, and how the emphasis on trying to make our schools safer, to like, when they're just so proud of how dangerous this school is, like it goes from being kind of a fun comic book to just really... Not sitting well with me. I think had they explained it like, hey, we're not ordinary kids. Right. Like, we're going to go out in the world and we're going to do things that ordinary kids don't do. So this, while others think it's dangerous, it's the only way to train us. Had they taken that approach, I think it would have been okay. Yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, I don't know. I've been trying to put my finger on it because I've never really had a problem with the danger room in the past. Though... Now, to be fair, yeah, but the danger room is usually up for everything. the is usually for the X Men, and it's usually not intended. Like every time someone's almost died, it's been because something bad happened, like the controls got broken or something like that. Now, granted, in realistic, responsible land, they should say, "Oh, <laughs> this happens a lot. We should probably just shut this whole thing down." But it's a comic book; you can't do that. But, but I guess that's it, though, because it is everywhere. And someone's going to come up and eat your butthole while you're taking a poop because <laughs> the toilets are monsters. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And just the fact Did that... Did you have ev- a bad body experience this morning? <laughs> and just the fact that every student is exposed to it. It's not yeah. just the X-Men. It's not even just like the, the senior students. It's, it's everybody. And not every student is prepared for this or trained for this. And I, we don't have any indication that it's like, oh, well, this is your first day. And we're going to do Danger Room easy today. You know, kind of break you in. It's like, no, no, you grab a bamf. We're going to send you everywhere in the school and you're probably going to die. And I don't know. I just, it just, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it except for it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I really kind of hated it. Okay, so I'm a little bit different. I didn't like it, but I 
didn't like it for your reason. Yeah, and probably not a whole lot of people have the same response. It just, I don't know. Just the wording and the phrasing and the way the school is just reminded me of just all the all the bad crap we see in schools I, today. And I don't know. I guess I kind of felt like... I, okay, on one side, I liked how the students were empowering themselves to say, listen, we're going to handle this because this is our school, our turf. Right, so you train them, but yeah. don't try to kill them every day. Well, <laughs> but I do kind of wonder why no... Like, why did the students feel like they could take this on? Right. Like, why wasn't Storm there? Why wasn't, exactly. you know, Beast there? Like, they even right. say, well, if you wake up Beast, he's going to be pissy from his beauty sleep. <laughs> I meant to say something about that because I like the play of Beauty and Beast. Yes. Yeah. But, I don't know, I just kind of felt like, eh. Like, the, uh, as much as I like things wrapped up in a boat, this was too perfect. This was too, right. oh, we caught you doing something you're not supposed to do. We're going to threaten you. And now we've convinced one of you to take on the other. I, it, yeah. It, it just fell out of place. I would have been way happier with just the back and forth between Wolverine and Cyclops. Yeah, me too. And but this book's trying to be, I mean, it's focused on the students. Right. So that, that is... And I like most of the students. I just, the story ended with a whimper as far as their side of the story. And I don't know. And I don't, I don't want to say that like issues like that can't be presented in comics. Like there can't be violence at schools and stuff like that. Because there can be. But this is just so flippant and quote unquote fun. that I don't know. I just, maybe it's the wrong treatment of that kind of idea. And honestly, if they're going to have the danger room like, being everywhere, then then show me a story where it goes horribly wrong. I mean, let there be a new student that, like, dies. <laughs> That's a horrible story, but at least it makes the thing feel more intentional, I guess, and not just a big joke. Because right now, I feel like the whole thing is just a big joke. I can see that. And I love Jason Aaron's sense of humor, and I think nine nine comics out of ten... He achieves a fantastic balance between high comic adventure and good humor and just being kind of snarky. And I, I, I really like his style a lot. Sometimes I feel like the humor is a little too much. And I feel like all the Danger Room stuff just makes the whole school seem like a joke. Yeah, I can see that. So, all right. So I don't really know how to grade this one, to be honest. Because with the Cyclops and Wolverine stuff, we had our fun with the... Uh, dramatic reading but I really really liked it like that part makes me want to grade it 6 out of 6 but the stuff with the students makes me want to give it 1 out of 6 I don't know I mean, should I average it out and just say the whole thing's a 3 no. I feel like that's not fair to the Wolverine Cyclops stuff no. which is really cool I think okay so I'm gonna throw an option out there on the Wolverine part you can give it up to 3 claws and on the kids part you can give it up to 3 claws Okay. Which would I so guess, still averages it averages out to a yeah, four but you then. can say, hey, the Wolverine part was three claws. It's awesome. It's a great book to read just for that part. Right. The kids one claw, eh, you know, skim past that. That's what I would have done, or what right. I'm going to do. I guess I should say. Okay. 
Okay, so what are you gonna? Then what's your final grade gonna be for Wolverine and the X Men number forty? I'm gonna give it four out of six. Okay, but I strongly recommend that someone picks it up and reads it strictly for the Wolverine Cyclops part. Yeah, and literally just skim over the student part. <laughs> it's it not was an that interesting, interesting concept. I just thought it really fizzled. All right, but anyway, to the point at hand, I'm also gonna give Wolverine and the X Men number forty. I'll, I'll settle and av- kind of average out four out of six claws with kind of the same opinion. The Wolverine Cyclops stuff is amazing. And the rest is kind of me. Eh. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on. Okay, next up we have Marvel Knights X-Men Part 3 of 5. All righty. I'm going to actually let you read the people's names since I just happened to butcher them to pieces. <laughs> okay, uh, story and art by Brom Revel. Colors by Christian Peter. Letterer and production is VC's Joe Sabino. And Revel and Peter are the cover artist. Cover again, uh, bottom two-thirds, just a black and yellow logo. And the top part is Rogue punching Wolverine in the face really fast and really hard. And he looks like a monkey. He does look like a monkey, yeah. <laughs> a, a monkey with a black eye. Yeah. Um, it's a cool cover, I guess. Okay, so I have to admit, I think the idea of one-third art, two-thirds, you know, typography, I like it. Yeah, it's a nice I'm change of pace. not digging this art, ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, so All what right. happens in this one? What, okay. what has happened so far, and where are we now? Well, so far, Daphne and Fred and Velma. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, Wait, isn't one? No, it's Darla. Never mind. So our X-Men have gone to this little hillbilly town. In the deep south. Uh, because they found two mutants. That were killed. Was it two mutants that were killed or well, two mutants that they're on the... There was a mutant that was killed and then they sent, when they came down here they found a couple more. Right. So basically they're trying to get these kids back to the Jean Grey school right. and things are just going really haywire. Yeah. yeah. So... We're back in the uh, deep south at Cook's Compound, and the sheriff has decided he's going to go and talk to... Uh, Willie Nelson. Oh, I was going to say Grateful Dead. So the sheriff goes to talk to... So Cook's an old hippie. A really old hippie based on the beard. Anyway, sheriff goes to talk to Cook and says, hey, we got some muties in town. We just wanted to let you know. Cook's like, don't worry. I already know. Sheriff says, listen, you've been good to us. Like, we're going to get them out as soon as we can. And Cook just, so then we flash over to back in town. Wolverine spits out his beer. What the hell? And he's seeing sentinels and rogues flying around. Clowns are running. Giraffes are fleeing. Yes, everyone's memories are going crazy. We have some fighting, some out of control stuff. Santa Claus. All right, so we go back to the compound. And basically we find out that this whole conspiracy in the town, that the old hippie, a mutant, found him. And he had hallucinogenic powers. So they started making a drug out of the mutant. Okay, so maybe I was wrong, but they're kidnapping mutants to turn them into ecstasy? I guess so, but how... And the idea of of cutting a mutant up and using him to make a drug is kind of interesting. But why would just mutant all make the same drug? 
Like the first guy they found, or they came to them, his power was hallucinogenic. So yes, his drug would cause hallucinations. Why? I mean, it feels like the drug's been doing the same thing since they started, but not all mutants have the same power. So that well, part of that was kind of dumb. Unless they're able to like boil him down and make like mutant juice. And so yeah. it's just lasting a while. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, this guy, the old hippie guy, is using the drug as eye drops. Well, probably he, to get in his bloodstream. He goes all Cheech and Chong on it. He's like, man, you just feel connected, man. Man. All right, so Wolverine, all these memories are pissing him off. So he's going to kill Darla. The rogue tries to stop him. There's some more fighting. So we have some more pill popping. And then uh, Kitty runs off with the first girl. There's a biker gang chasing him down. The old hippie shoots the sheriff in the head. Oh, and the old hippie has drawn an eyeball on his forehead. So they look and they can see the manifestation of all these memories. So they're going to go in town, have a party. Woohoo! Wolverine's claws get really, 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 really long. And then um, him and Rogue have a fight full of cliches. Some crazy stuff happens in the car. Kenny phases out of the car because the girl's uncle tries to kill her. Even though Um, he's dead, right? I don't know. Okay. He's a manifestation of the memory, I guess. Oh. So the car crashes and the biker gang surround Kenny. And they all... Because they all have guns. Okay. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Thrilling, huh? Yep. Uh, so, I won't lie, um, I told Denise I finally saw the Scooby-Doo aspect of the art this issue. I told you. <laughs> I did, Scooby-Scooby-Doo! I did like some of the color work with the drug stuff, but, I don't know. I don't really like how everything's muted, and then when it gets to the drugs, it's all psychedelic. So, there's a few good ideas in here, um... It's got Willie Nelson in it. That's one good idea. There's the idea of them, like, using a mutant to make a drug. Kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah, I um, thought that was intriguing, and that's as far as it went. Well, I actually think the girl whose powers bring memories to life, like, that's a cool mutant power. So you have two good ideas and some bad ideas, and they mix it all together into a story that is completely forgettable. In fact, this when you asked me to recap bad. it, I was like, what happened? So, so the book's not bad. It's not good. It's just kind of there. It's in the middle. I don't really... I thought the art was kind of interesting for an issue and a half. I'm kind of over it. I need a term. Okay, so this... Rem- you know what this comic book reminded me of? This is what you put on the back of your toilet. So when you're sitting there and you need something to read, this is what you read. Sure. It just helps it move I, things I just, along. I just read regular comics when I'm taking a dump. <laughs> Some of my best reading time. No, that's what you leave in the bathroom for your guests. I wouldn't want to bore them with this. But that's the thing. It might help yeah. move things along. All right, tomorrow night, X-Men number three. I give it two out of six claws. When I give, give it. it two out of six. All right, let's move on. Okay, so next up we have Where's Logan? And the first place he is in is Avengers Assemble number 23. This is a Inhumanity tie-in. It is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Warren Ellis. Art by Matteo Bafagni. Colors by Nolan Woodard. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And Jorge Molina did the cover. Cover's okay. Has a dark alley. A spider girl clinging to the wall. And Wolverine with his claws out. And his uh, leather X jacket. Making an angry face. And there's a tiny little dumpster. <laughs> In the alley. This spider girl can maybe squat in. 
and threw it up. Uh, anyway, it's an okay cover. All right, so basically the gist of this story is that Spider-Girl, one of her teachers at school, uh, when the Terragenesis bomb went off and, you know, kind of the, what's going on in the Marvel Universe right now. Anyway, her teacher cocooned, made an inhuman cocoon, and she came to the Avengers for help. And we've had a couple of different Avengers, Avengers adventures based on that. So now in this issue, she's talking to Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman's trying to get her some info down in Salvador. Uh, Dr. June Covington's men are getting some info on who who sold the cocoon to the guy that sold it to her. And we find out it was AIM. Spider-Woman gives Spider-Girl the info. There's a lot of banter. Wolverine's being nosy. He comes in and says, well, how are you going to do this, Spider-Girl? Spider-Woman, the Avengers need you. I'll help. And we have a lot of uh, back and forth about Wolverine being grumpy and Spider-Girl being naive. And that's kind of the whole issue. <laughs> the adventure of uh, an old man and a young woman and the, um, what, hilarity, maybe? Question mark? That ensues. So Wolverine bitches at her a lot. Just overall acts very grumpy, but also tries to help her out and give her some advice. And he wants to give her some more protection and body armor stuff. So Spider-Woman makes her outfit look outfit look even worse than it did before. They get in a flying car and go to track down June Covington's last known location. So they get there and there's a bunch of stuff going on. People are getting beaten up and stuff's getting stolen. So Wolverine uh, tells Spider-Woman it's time to cowboy up and we get a double snicked. Now, I got to say, when they're peeking around the corner of what's going on, there's a guy that looks like he's phased halfway through the floor, like he's just from the waist up. Maybe he's laying down on his side. And then the next page, the panel cuts him off, and he's either really flexible or he's literally phased through the floor. But then nothing ever happens. We never see him again. So maybe, maybe he turned all the way intangible and sank through the floor. I don't know. Anyway, we get a double snicked. One of the guys tries to hit Wolverine with a baseball bat. Oh, we do have bandaged hands. And he had made a comment earlier about his spider woman or spider girl. He's like, why do you need this protection? I thought you had a healing factor thingy. He's like, yeah, that's not working for me so well. Anyway, the guy hits him with a bat and tries to hit Wolverine. Stabs it with his claws and says, you blew it. You blew it. Oh, Wolverine's wearing like designer cowboy boots. Not a fan. Doesn't fit his style. Anyway, so they, they beat up all the thugs. And they put on some gas masks. Oh, that's why. Uh, Wolverine said, we both need to grab a gas mask for me, too. She was like, I thought you had a blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that was that. So they go into her lab. And there's one of her lab assistants. Dr. Covington has flown the coop. And this lab assistant is going to be tough. But Wolverine gives her a snicked. And she puts the gun down. So then we go back and Wolverine says, you know, you got to be ready to make hard choices. Let's go home. And uh, basically that's it. So basically it was uh, the misadventure of grumpy Logan and naive Spider-Girl. And uh, according to the cover of the next issue, it's Spider-Girl and Iron Man teamed up. So it kind of looks like for this little inhumanity arc, that this is like, um, I don't know, Spider-Girl's crash course into the Avengers, like, First she teamed up with Black Widow and Spider-Woman, then Wolverine, and next Iron Man. She's kind of working her way, getting help from all the different Avengers. Anyway, I thought the art was decent. It was pretty good. 
I like the story overall. I don't know. The Wolverine was kind of Wolverine. I think it's funny because you have people that just kind of make him a smart ass and kind of mean. And then you have people that are like, oh, he's just a grouch. And they like go, make, go really extreme on him just being like he's got a stick up his butt all the time. Anyway, it was okay. I'm going to give Avengers Assemble number 23 three out of six claws. Okay, so next up we have the, the Superior Spider-Man number 26. This is written by Dan Slott. Ramos, Rodriguez, and Martin do the pencils. Olazaba, Lopez, and Martin do the inks. Delgado, Rodriguez, and Martin do the colors. Chris Eliopoulos is the letterer. And then the cover is by Ryan Stegman and Jason Howard. This is a pretty awesome cover. Um, and like a red background and orangey stuff. It's like a blurred out face of Spider-Man is the background. You can even see his little eyes. Then you have Hobgoblin and Green Goblin going at it. They both have like trails of orange smoke from the gliders. And they have pumpkin bombs out. And man, this is a... A killer cover. I like it a whole lot. Have I mentioned that I'm excited for Stegman to draw Wolverine? <laughs> I am. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's just a it's a fantastic cover. His Hobgoblin particularly looks really, really cool. But yeah, great cover. Alright, so remember, Spider-Man has just recently blamed all his strange behavior on Venom, but then the Avengers saw that he erased the tapes. From the day of his test, that they ran test. And now they're going to call him out. So we start off, we also have all the Goblin War stuff going on. Which is Hobgoblin versus Green Goblin. So they're fighting each other. And they, yeah, basically have a big fight. It's a really awesome fight with really good art. Alberto Ramos does that part of the story. And he is just killing it these last two issues. I mean, he's always good. His goblin, the goblin stuff just fits him so well. And he's just, just, he's slaughtering these pages. Really, really fantastic. The goblin on goblin stuff is just really, really cool. So in the Avengers, uh, Spider-Man and his spiderlings are taking on AIM, it looks like, somewhere. The Avengers show up and interfere. Spider-Man's like, no, I'm busy. So we have uh, Cap, Black Widow, Thor, Iron Man, Spider-Woman, and Wolverine. We do have this cool, a really nice panel, and this part's by Marcus Martin, I think, where we have a circle in the top left corner, and Captain America's yelling for Avengers to disassemble the fight. And we have, like, little rays coming out, and all the rays are different powers. So we have Iron Man's hand with the zap. We get our snicked of the book with Wolverine's arm and one of the rays. Uh, Black Widow kicking an aim guy in the face. Captain America's shield uh, busting up the spider wings. Thor's hammer flying into something. Oh, the uh, uh, the spider at-at. <laughs> and then um, Spider-Woman stinging a guy from aim. It's a really, really cool page. The Avengers say, nope, we're having this conversation now. And we go inside uh, Spider-Man's psyche. We see, of course, we got the Peter Parker's psyche, which we thought was completely destroyed his back. But he comes and sees that his mind is pretty desolate. Because when Otto Octavius thought that he removed Peter Parker completely, he erased most of the memories. So there's not very memories left. But Peter decides that the memories that are left are the important ones, and he's been boiled down to his core, and he's not going to give up. So the Avengers take Spider-Man to Avengers Tower, and they're basically 
presenting their case on why he's been a, a piss poor Avenger. And Wolverine suggests, well, why don't we just get a psychic in there to scan him? And Spider-Man's like, no, it's an invasion of privacy. Hey, remember that civil war you did, Captain America? That was all about my right to privacy, all of our rights to privacy. Three of you already know my identity, and that's three too many. That's why I erased the tapes, so no one can figure out who I was. And he decides he quits. We'll just make this solution easy. He jumps out the window, and he's not going to be an Avenger anymore. So Green Goblin defeats Hobgoblin, takes off the er, and takes all his underlings. They go away. The Hobgoblin Junior, I guess, for lack of a better word, that is now on Green Goblin's side, pulls the mask off a of Hobgoblin and is not Kingsley. There's a cool line where Norman Osborn, or we're assuming, the Green Goblin says, "Kingsley is dead, along with the king." Thought that was pretty cool. So our epilogue, I guess, is in Paris. And Kingsley is uh, basically, he calls it the Winkler process, <laughs> which makes me laugh. Makes me think of the Fonz. Anyway, that sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, but basically, he's mind hypnotizing people into being him. And I guess that's what he did to the, the other guy in the costume. That's why he fooled everybody. He sounded, acted, fought like Kingsley, but he wasn't Kingsley. And so now he's uh, prepping another guy. And I'm assuming he's just going to keep sending uh, hobgoblins. So, anyway, I love this issue. I'm going to give Superior Spider-Man number 26, 6 out of 6 claws. Okay, so last but not least, we have our uh, Snicked Family segment. Uh, we're going to look at all-new X-Men number 22 and Guardians of the Galaxy number 11, the first two parts of The Trial of Jean Grey. So basically, uh, X-23 is a character we're going to talk about or kind of follow. So all-new X-Men number 22, written by Brian Michael Bendis, pencils Stuart Eminen, inker Wade Van Grabager, colors Marte Gracia, VCs Corey Pettit is the letterer, and the cover is by Eminen, Grabager, and Gracia. Oh, it's a pretty cool cover. Basically has uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy in the background, and then the all-new X-Men in their Voltron uniforms in the foreground. So they just got done. Uh, we see uh, X-23 training with Kitty Pride in the Danger Room. Beast has a huge blackboard full of timeline and X-Men history uh, stuff. Uh, Iceman, I think, is wrapping old Run DMC while making Snow Angels. Then in the calf, we have a really awkward scene. Or Gene and Scott fight with Angel in the middle. And he's like, Ooh. yeah, basically. So they fight about what Gene's been going through. And she won't confide in Scott. And that kind of makes Scott mad. So Iceman gets attacked outside by a spaceship. And some Shi'ar guards get off. The X-Men come out and fight. And they do okay for a little bit. But then they're contained in giant hamster balls. And so the Shi'ar uh, basically end up, they kidnap Jean and leave the other X-Men there. And right at the end, the Guardians show up and say, Hey, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy. We're here to bleep. We're too late, aren't we? And a double-page spread. All right, so yeah, story's pretty good. Art, fantastic. This is still one of the best-looking books on the shelf. Yeah, liked it a lot. Thought the story was pretty good. We had some nice X-Men drama. Really, X-23, let's see. She trains in the danger room. 
And then um, when she she comes out with the X-Men to fight, uh, she slices a gun from the Shi'ar with a nice onomatopoeia slice. And then she gets punked, but Angel catches her in the air, tells her to watch the claws, and then she gets put in a bubble like everybody else. And that's about it. So yeah. Um, Alright, so Guardians... Guardians of the Galaxy, number 11. Writer, Brian Michael Bendis. Artist, Sarah Pacelli. Colors by Justin Ponsor. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Pacelli and Ponsor did the cover. And it's kind of the opposite. We have the all-new X-Men in their Voltron uniforms in the background. And the Guardians up front. Alright. So, yeah, Peter Quill's in a space bar. Um, He sees Gamora in her sexy clothes. But... I guess by her behavior, determines it's not her. Puts a gun up to her, but she spikes his drink. He passes out. She's going to kidnap him. Go collect the bounty. So we see, uh, oh, I like, I hate this guy. So I kind of don't like that because he's a tool. But the king of the uh, whatever empire Peter Quill's from, um, Spartax. Anyway, he's King Jason, which is pretty much Jason. So there is a King Jason in the Marvel Universe. Even if he is a tool. <laughs> anyway, so there's a council called the Shi'ar have said, Hey, Jean Grey's back. Uh, Jean Grey as the Phoenix destroyed solar systems. The Shi'ar were going to punish her, but she died. So now we're going to take young Jean, who hasn't done it yet, and make her pay for her crimes. Though Jean in the past paid for her crimes by dying. Doesn't make a lot of sense. The whole kind of basis of this story doesn't really work for me. Anyway, Gladiator is intent. He basically says, I know we all agreed to leave Earth alone, and we will as soon as we go retrieve Jean. So you guys are welcome to take part in the trial if you want, but we're going to do what we're going to do. We get a nice little, hey, this is why Iron Man is not on the team anymore. And he says he needs to stay on Earth after all the Thanos stuff. Angela and Gamora see fake Gamora dragging Peter Quill around. They fight her. Uh, Angela cuts off her head. She says, it was just a scroll. You know who sent him? It's Peter's dad. As a warrior, I claim the spoils. I see that I've upset you. Here, take her ship. (laughs) So then uh, Rocket Raccoon intercepts a Badoon message talking about the Shi'ar plan. And Peter decides they need to intervene. And we go to the last page where they say, Hey, we're the Guardians. Oh, crap, we're too late. And that's that. Um, okay. So this book also looks fantastic. Pacelli's a great artist. Uh, great colors here again as well. Uh, both books are pretty bendacy. Okay, so the conceit of this story that the Shi'ar want to punish young Jean for not quite his young Jean's behavior, which was horrible. And, you know, we just did the Dark Phoenix saga on the last flashback episode. I think I already said that. But, um, so that's completely relevant to what we're talking about. But in that story, they were going to have a trial. Or no, actually, they weren't going to have a trial. Beast wanted to have a trial. And they're like, no, uh, we're gonna, just going to execute her. And they had the whole, like, honor duel thing. And then Jean killed herself. So, that would seem to indicate that she kind of served her term. So, why Gladiator thinks there are still, like, 
crimes left unpunished? I mean, I don't really know what his justification is for that. I mean, if he just said, hey, I'm scared she's going to do this again, and maybe maybe he is. Maybe this is all just a front because the are scared of what the Phoenix can do, and they're always trying to get the Phoenix anyway. So like, we're just going to nip this in the bud and take care of her now before she can turn into Phoenix. Which that's fine. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that maybe I'm giving maybe I'm giving Bendis too much credit. But I'm gonna say that Gladiator doesn't really believe he's serving any kind of justice. He's just trying to be preemptive. Anyway, that conceit aside, both books are are very well written, have great art. See where it goes. I'm gonna give them both just for what they are. Five out of six claws. I'm gonna wait and see. Where this whole trial goes, if Gladiator really thinks he's trying to get justice or if he's just trying to be preventative. So, anyway, yeah, I'm going to give All New X-Men 22 and Guardians of the Galaxy 11 five out of six claws. All right, cool. Okay, so that's going to do it for episode 72. 72. Yeah, and some good stuff, some not so good stuff. Yeah, I kind of ran the, ran the whole gambit this time. All right, so next time will either be the next flashback episode or... Or... The brand new Wolverine number one. So I'm not sure what order, but those will be the next two episodes. All right, well, please leave an iTunes review. You can go to the website for show notes. That's nickcast.podbean.com. You can email snickcast at yahoo.com. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Snickcast. Uh, I think that's going to be about it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.